Well, good morning, church. I'm glad that you're with us today. If you're visiting with us today, we have a gift for you. We'd uh, love for you to take uh, one of the devotionals that's right back here on the information table by this door. This is our gift for you uh, for uh, visiting with us today. I've written three of these, and the others are available in the office if anybody has interest uh, in those. We are starting a new sermon series today. I've never done a sermon series on the book of Daniel before. I've preached a message concerning a story in Daniel before, but I've never gone through the book of Daniel. As I have done that, uh, a lot of the book of Daniel is kind of weird, okay? Can I say that and be a, still be a Christian? I hope I can because I just said it. And, um, you know, there's a lot about the end times uh, toward the end of the book, and there's a lot of different opinions on what that actually means, and I don't think I could stand and preach authoritatively that this is what that means, because I'm not sure that I understand that myself. I, I, wouldn't have been, uh, I wouldn't have been as confident in myself to say that as a young preacher, but there's parts of the Bible that, um, that I'm not sure I really get and that I really understand, and parts of the Bible that it's hard for me to make applicable to your life. And I don't want to preach a message that it's not somehow applicable to your life. So we're going to go through some of the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is about um, basically about four young men. Uh, it's a story about four young men who are, are taken off to another country and who are introduced to new customs and new values, and they have to live against the flow and um, how God enables them to do that, how God enables um, four Hebrew boys and basically, most scholars feel like they were teenagers or, or very young adults. And uh, how God gave these four Hebrew boys the grace to be able to live uh, against the flow. And I know that if you're a serious Christian today, that you have come to some time in your Christian life where you've realized that the values of the kingdom of God and the values of the world conflict. And if you are a serious Christian, that probably happens several times a week. It really does. That you realize that if you are serious about living your life according to the precepts of, of God that's written in his word, if you're serious about that, that you cannot go with the flow because the flow, uh, the way of the world seems to be going uh, contrary to what God's word is saying. Uh, the old song said, this world is not my home. And it's not. And that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that we hate the world. And that doesn't mean that we don't enjoy some things about the world. Absolutely. Uh, but the values of the world, what the world thinks is important, is not the same things that God's word instructs us to believe that are important as well. And for us to live faithfully in the Christian life, it seems like many times that we're going against the flow. And, and I will say this, if you don't sense this against the flow type of thing that I'm talking about, if there's not some way that you don't feel that vibe and you don't feel like in some way, not every day, not 24 hours a day, it's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes in your week, you sense 
that you're going against the flow. There's some things about this world that you scratch your head and you just do not understand. It does not compute. If you don't feel that way, I, I would say lovingly as I can, I would question how close you're following Jesus. I really would. And, and, and the closer you walk with Jesus, it's been my experience, the closer I walk with Jesus, the more I try to be a person of this kingdom and not the kingdom of the world. The more I try to be a person of this kingdom, the, the more I sense that I can't just go with the flow. And you know what? It takes no effort to go with the flow. <laughs> because I just kind of get in the flow. It's just, like, it's just like the lazy river ride, right? You just get in and you go. You don't, it didn't take too much effort except not make your inner tube smash the little, cur, the little girl over there or something like that, okay? But you just go with the flow. But if I turn that lazy river ride and I turn my inner tube the other way, that would take a good bit of effort for me to go against the flow. And it's the same thing that Christian like it. It takes a good bit of God's grace and God's Holy Spirit that enables us not to just go along with the world. Now, when, when we were kids, we called this peer pressure. We called this peer pressure. And peer pressure is not something that leaves when you leave the teenage years. Okay, there's always peer pressure, and that peer pressure is the flow of this world. And the Bible talks to us about going against the flow in so many places, but especially here in the book of Daniel. Now, I want to go back and review a verse that we just finished when we spent 12 weeks in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, or however long we spent that. Hebrews 11, chapter 13. And, it's, and the Bible says, all these people were still living. Who, who are they talking about? The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now the Bible translates that little phrase depending on your translation several ways. Foreigners and strangers, temporary residents and exiles, uh, aliens and strangers, sojourners, all those words mean the same thing, that we are foreigners. We, we, this world is foreign to us and the foreign part of this world are the values of this world. Now this, was to, this is talking about Old Testament people. And this is just not an Old Testament thing, that Old Testament people were foreigners. Look what Peter writes in, in chapter 2, verse 11 of 1 Peter. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. I, I warn you as people that are aliens and strangers to this world. I warn you as people who are just passing through to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. <clears throat> Our identity in Christ is a crucial topic that I've preached on a couple of times. It's extremely important that you see yourself as God sees you. Okay, a lot of people see themselves in some completely different way, but God calls us people who are forgiven. He sees ourselves as forgiven. He wants me to see myself as redeemed. He wants me to see myself as adopted. He wants me to see myself as chosen. He wants me to see myself as salt and light in, in the world and so many other things that the Bible says is our identity. 
And when you see a list, when people are writing on the identity uh, of Christians, they usually don't include temporary residents and foreigners, but it's written there several places in Scripture. Because that's kind of a, a negative thing. If you talk about that I'm chosen, that I'm salt and light, that I'm adopted, that's a, that's a positive thing. But, but this, one way we are to see ourselves is foreigners. Depending on your translation, aliens and strangers. And, and, and what that simply means is my values conflict with the values of the world. And let me say that better. The values I'm called to live by are different than the values of the world. And one of the ways I see myself is a foreigner. Now, that doesn't, that, don't get weird with that. That doesn't mean that I'm a hermit and I go live off by myself and I'm, I'm totally off the grid and, and I, I, you know, I, I, I just got this big long beard and I'm just totally outside of the way the world works. I, that, that's not what we're saying. We're, we're in the world, the Bible says, but we're not of the world. We have to function in this world. And there's, there's lots of things in this world that are helpful to us and we can use those. So I'm not talking about going to the extreme and being some kind of hermit and all that kind of stuff. That has nothing to do with it. But our values are different. And because our values are different and what we feel is important and what we value is different than what the world values, we feel like, and the Bible says we're temporary residents, we're foreigners, we're aliens, we're strangers, we're sojourners, we're exiles, depending on your translation of how it translates that. Now, if that, if that is true of us, if we feel that way sometimes, not 24 hours a day, but that, if we feel that way sometimes, then we shouldn't freak out about that because Jesus said, you know, if the world hates you, John 15, If the world hates you, he basically said, hey, don't get all freaked out about it. It hated me first. You know, and think about that. Jesus was, I assume, Jesus was the most forgiving, the kindest, the most gentle, the most correct, continued to say whatever you want to say person who ever walked the face of this earth, and they killed him. This, this world was no friend of Jesus. And if we live our life according to precepts of this word, and as we follow Jesus, it's no surprise to us that this world may not be a friend of ours as well. Uh, he, um, Isaiah 53 uh, something, I can't remember the verse. It's speaking about Jesus, it says he was despised and hated among men. Now, again, let me say it again. We don't live our lives with the intent, I'm going to do what I can do so I can be hated and despised among men. That's not what we're saying in any way, shape, or form. But as we live our lives, as we're members of the kingdom, we will no doubt from time to time come into conflict with the kingdom of the wor this world, and we will be going against the flow and how is it that we do that 
And that's what we're going to talk about in this sermon series. Paul writes in 1 Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy and says, you know, Timothy, there's going to be a time coming that people are not going to put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So, so Paul saw a time coming. And I think we'd have to admit, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, and I'm not trying to be a naysayer, but I think we'd have to admit in 2023, we are seeing things that we never, ever dreamed that we would see. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be a negative preacher. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm just trying to be honest. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm sure all generations have said that to some degree. I'm sure all generations have said that, okay? But it just seems like in 2023 and beyond, uh, there are things happening in my lifetime right now that I never dreamed would happen before, that I never imagined would happen before. People will not put up with sound doctrine. People will not put up with the basic precepts of God's Word. Instead, they look out for teachers. They look out for somebody who says what they want them to say, who will scratch their itching ears instead of putting up with sound doctrine because if we put up with sound doctrine let's be honest it doesn't say what we want it to say all the time it convicts us doesn't it if you're a serious christian you have read god's word or heard god's word preached and there have been times where you went "Ooh, that kind of hurt i i hear you talking to me god and even though we receive this as the word of God, that doesn't mean that we, that, that we like every single bit of it, but we understand it and we take it and use it as correction in our life because we believe it's sound doctrine. The world doesn't. The world doesn't. Jesus said, Jesus says there's, there's two ways. He said this in Matthew 7 toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you, 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 you people that are followers of me, you go through the narrow gate. Now, you people that go through the narrow gate, you're going to look over here, and you're going to see a broad gate. You're going to see a broad way, and you're going to see every Tom, Dick, and Harry on it. You, you, this way is going to be crowded. And what this way will tell you is, come on, everybody's on it. We all can't be wrong. And Jesus said, that way, the flow, the way it's just kind of easy just to step into it and go with it, Jesus said, that road leads to destruction. And there's going to be many that enter through it. Jesus says, you and I should look for that narrow gate, that narrow way, that, that, that is, that's smaller. There's not very many people on it. It's not as easy to get into. It's against the flow. I hope you know what I'm talking about. And again, I will say as gently as I can, but as truthfully as I can, if there are not times where you don't sense this in your life, 
I question how close you're following Jesus. Because I think as we try to be faithful to his word, we can't help but find ourselves against the flow sometimes. Now, I'm going to do something here that I always encourage preachers not to do. I've been teaching preaching now for 18 or 19 years, and I tell them as they read their scripture passage not to read a long scripture passage because a long scripture passage is is hard for everybody to follow. It's easy for your minds to wander, and I just don't think it helps communication. But I'm going to read a long scripture passage here, okay? Because I think I need to set the context of what I'm talking about here. So basically, I'm going to read the 20 verses that are in Daniel chapter 1. And put your thinking caps on and stay with me and so you understand the story that we're in right here. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged this. Okay? So present day stuff. Um, Russia besieged Ukraine. Present day stuff, Okay? And this is what happened. The, the, the people of, people, God's people, the Hebrew people, were besieged upon by King Nebuchadnezzar of, of, of Babylon, okay? And the Lord delivered uh, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. So he sold some of the artifacts of worship and took them to his uh, temple or whatever it was. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. And basically he said, bring me the best of who you captured. Bring me the best of the POWs. Uh, all, all these people that we brought from Judah, uh, bring me the best of those. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in my palace. So he wanted X amount of the best uh, of the young men to be able to come and to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's palace, okay? He was to teach them the language of the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from from the king's table. It would have been the best. So he's trying to assimilate this X number of Hebrew young men to Babylonian ways, to to Babylonian customs, to Babylonian uh, values, even even when it comes to food. They were to be trained for three years. They were going through a three-year course in all this. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen, not, not only these guys, These are the guys that are remembered in the book of Daniel. But among those who were chosen were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay? Then the Bible continues to tell us that to continue to change their identity, to continue to try to assimilate them to the values of a new world, we're going to give them new names. Okay, the Hebrew names had Hebrew meanings, and most of those meanings were uh, attached to Yahweh and to their, their faith in some way. So to the name uh, of Daniel, they changed his name to Belshazzar. To Hananiah, they changed it to Shadrach. To Mishael, they changed it to Meshach. And to Azariah, they changed it to Abednego. 
Okay? And those are the four names that if you're any what familiar with the book of Daniel, you remember those names. But Daniel, verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So, so he's going to get a new name. He's going to get new customs, new values. But somewhere along the line, and why we don't know that he, we, we can speculate why he might have, might have drawn the line at food, but we really don't know. There's somewhere along the line he said this far but no farther. He said this far but no farther. So he resolved himself not to defile himself. Verse 9, now God had caused the official, because Daniel was going to go ask this official, hey, I, I, I really don't want to eat this food. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told uh, Daniel, I'm afraid that my Lord the king who has assigned you food and drink, why should he see you, young, uh, you looking worse than all the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. So if you're not going to eat the best of this food, you're not going to look as healthy and as strong as these other guys, and he's going to know that I haven't given you the best food, and he's going to have my head for that. Why, why should I do that? Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables. Now don't use this as a proof text that Christians should be vegetarians, okay? I enjoy a good quarter pounder, okay? Amen. People have never said amen in their life just said amen over here, okay? It just happened to be vegetables, okay? Uh, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in, in accordance with what you see. So at the end of 10 days, if we don't look as good as these other guys do, you, you do what you want to do then. But give us 10 days and let's test this out. 14. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. So... There's chapter 1. And when pastors do sermon series on the book of Daniel, uh, many times, uh, there, was a, there was even a song, I think a children's song used to be, Dare to be a Daniel. And so they're talking about Daniel and be like Daniel and all that kind of stuff. I've never seen this, this, I've never seen this story this way. Daniel obviously makes good choices, but in chapter 1, we see God behind the scenes, moving and working in Daniel's life to give him the ability to be the person that he's called to be and to be able to go against the flow. So go back to Daniel 1, verse 2. Let me give you a hard truth. 
Verse 2 said, And the Lord gave, gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. It doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar had such a strong army that he just overpowered the Hebrews. It doesn't say that. It says the Lord gave. The Lord gave. Does my theology, does your theology permit a good and loving God that would allow his people to go off into a far country and have to live against the flow? It plainly says, the Lord gave, or depending on your translation, the Lord delivered. It doesn't say that Nebuchadnezzar's army was so powerful and Nebuchadnezzar was such a great leader. It says the Lord gave. Through this story, we see that God is leading and he's guiding his people even, even into exile. That even in a foreign country, even in a land where customs are not godly customs, we see God leading and guiding his people even to exile. God is in control even though his people have been taken into exile into another country. Does, does, does your God, do your theology allow your God to discipline his people Now, how do you know that's why God gave him over to Nebuchadnezzar's army? Well, Daniel chapter 9 says this. Daniel chapter 9 says, and Daniel's praying a prayer. Lord, we've sinned against you, and we have rebelled against you. All Israel transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. The curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses have poured out upon us because we have sinned against you. Does... Does your theology, does my theology allow a loving God to give a people over in discipline? Because they had not followed his ways. Now I'm not saying anything about anything about the state of today or anything. I'm just saying in this book and in this time that God's people went into exile, you'd have to be a dummy to say, it wasn't because of the Hebrews' disobedience that God allowed them to go into exile. Hey, loving parent, don't you discipline your child? And why do you discipline your child? Do you discipline your child because you're a tyrant? Because you're a wrathful parent? No. You discipline your child because you love your parent. You love your child. And every single parent in here would agree with that. And we would go further than that. We would say that if a parent is not disciplining his child, we would say that that parent is not loving his child. Or has a perverted kind of love. If the parent is not disciplining the child and the parent is not saying no at appropriate times, we say the parent's not doing their job. Now if that's true for an earthly parent... Wouldn't it be or the mo more so true for a 
heavenly parent? What are you saying, Mark, in 2023? Are, are, are we under God's wrath? I'm not saying anything at all. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says right here about Daniel. I'm teaching you that God was in control here. That God was leading and guiding his people even into exile. And as we live in a world that does not seem to be any friend of God, God has not left us. God is in control, even though it seems like he has allowed some things. Why has he allowed some things, Mark? I cannot say. I would say probably because of choices. He's given us over to our choices many times. But I want to tell you that in this book of Daniel, we see God working, God working, even when his people go off into exile. Praise his name. He is sovereign. He has no competitor. He answers to no one. Yes, we have free will. And if you want me to explain how the free will of man somehow synergizes with God's sovereignty, you're looking at the wrong guy for the answer. But the Bible teaches God is sovereign. The Bible teaches my choices matter. And let's leave them both right there and let's God sort it out. Because the Bible teaches both things. So we see in verse 2, the Lord gave. The Lord gave. The Lord gave them over. Now, down about six verses in chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, we see this verse here. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Verse 9, now God. Now God. This is not about Daniel. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. So Daniel basically asked um, permission to go against the flow. He drew the line at the, at the food. I don't know why he drew the line at the food. I, I couldn't tell you why he didn't draw the line in other places. I have no clue. Don't ask me for that answer. He drew the line with food. And he, and, and he basically said, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, the Bible doesn't record everything of every conversation. Maybe in when this really happened, Daniel explained to the official why. I, didn't, I don't know. He just said, I, I've resolved not to do this, to eat the the, the king's food. And then verse 9 says, Now God, when Daniel showed faith, when Daniel had a godly resolve, when Dan Daniel took a step of faith, when Daniel decided to go against the flow, the next two words are, Now God. Now God. Now, how in the world can, you know, uh, you know I, don't, I don't know how it played out, but other, the other Hebrews there, whether it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or the other ones that were taken, could have said, oh, you, you've got to do this, he'll kill you. I mean, you can't, you can't do that. And I just wonder what Daniel thought. I just wonder. I, it doesn't say it in the text, but I, I wonder if, if Daniel prayed. There, there's, there's, there's great evidence in the rest part of the book that Daniel was a man of prayer. And, and I just wonder if he prayed and said, God, would you grant me favor? God, I, I just don't think there's any way that this guy is going 
to grant this unless you come and do something. And I wonder in us going against the flow, I wonder if we would say, well, there's no way my boss would do that. There's no way the government would ever do that. There's no way the principal would ever do that. There's no way the school system would ever allow that. And we spend some time before we go saying, God, if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. God, if you don't intervene, if you don't some way uh, make that principal or make that boss or, or whoever it is, if you don't some way uh, change his mind that he would grant favor to me, this is not going to happen. And when God sees my faith or your faith of stepping against the flow, and in this case, permission not to eat the food, God acts. When he sees the faith, when he sees us stepping against the flow, God acts. When he sees that step of faith, I can remember, I, I, I probably told this to you, Tom, Tom Gerke was the principal of the last high school where I was a math teacher. And this was in the early 90s, and Promise Keepers was a big deal back then, and there were some guys from my church going to go to a Promise Keepers in Minneapolis, I think is where it was. And, and I'd already used my personal days. You know, you get, what, as a teacher, we got like three personal days a year or something like that. I don't know. That you could take off for any reason you wanted to. I'd already used them. And I was a Christian, so I didn't want to do what the world did, and they just call in sick. And um, I knew that wasn't what God wanted me to do. So I remember going to... to to Tom Gerke, the principal, and said, Mr. Gerke, I really like to go to this Christian conference with some men from my church, and, and I don't have any personal days left. I said, would you give me, I don't remember how many days I was asking off for, let's say it was three, I don't know. Would you give me these three days off, and I'll take them without pay? You know what Tom Gerke said? And I never heard any Christian talk out of Principal Gerke. I never heard really any anti-Christian talk out of him either. He's a good guy. But he, after I asked him for those three days, and I'll take those three days without pay, he says, uh, Mark, I know God's got a hold of your life, and he's got something more for you than just be a teacher at Sterling High School. You, you go take these days. And when I got my paycheck, he paid me for them. I just see, I'm, I'm, I'm paid to preach you this word. And what I see in this word is that a young Hebrew, maybe teenager, if not he's just a young adult, I see him stepping out, going against the flow, and God meeting him at his point of faith and honoring his faith right there. The text clearly says text doesn't say now the official was a pretty good guy and he 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 liked he liked uh, uh daniel and so he let him do it no the, the the text clearly says now god showed favor made the officials show favor and compassion granted favor and compassion in the official's eyes to daniel I, i'm i'm challenging all of us as we live our lives against the flow and as we go against the flow and 
and, and, and resolve not to eat the king's food and obviously whatever situation that is for you all and I don't know what it is and I have no situations in mind. I'm just telling you, as you step out in faith and go against the flow, God meets you there. God meets you there. Verse 17, so we went, verse 2 said the Lord gave and verse 9 said the Lord granted favor and then verse 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So why were these guys picked and why were these guys taken to Nebuchadnezzar and why were these guys favored in Nebuchadnezzar's eyes? Because God gave them knowledge and understanding. This is not dare to be a Daniel. Yes, Daniel had to step out on faith. Yes, he did. But underneath this and undergirding all of this is three times in chapter one is the Lord gave. The Lord granted favor and compassion and God gave knowledge and understanding. God is working to people who choose to go against the flow. God honors that. And so I, I, I've set up here, when God sees our faith, when God sees our faith, he moves. He moves. He gives us the ability. He gives us the grace to go against the flow. James 4.8 it's always been an amazing verse for me. It says, you draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. It's almost like um, you need God's help. It's kind of in your hands, Mark. Show him that you're serious about him. Step out on faith, Mark. He responds to faith, Mark. He responds to faith, Mark. Oh, the world, oh they'll never buy that. They'll never let me not eat the king's food. They'll never let me do that. They'll never give me those days off. They'll never. This is not about you, Mark. You simply have a mustard seed of faith and see what God will do with that. Story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The prodigal son came to his senses and got up one day and started to go back home. And what's the text say? Well, the father was saying... <laughs> I knew you'd wise up one day. I knew you'd come to your senses one day. I told you I was right all along. That's not what the text says, does it? The text says the father ran to the son. And, 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 and the little bit I know about Hebrew tradition, it was very undignified of a father to run. He would have to have lifted up his gown and showed his legs which was not in the culture of the day and he ran to his son you draw near to God and watch what God does you take a step of faith you 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 take a step that goes against the flow and watch what God does in all of that Hebrews 11 chapter 6 we read this several weeks ago and, when, and without faith, it's just impossible to please God. Everybody wants to please God. I would, assume, I would assume everybody under the sound of my voice wants to please God. 
Well, without faith, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As I step out against the flow, as I step out in faith, he rewards me. He honors that. He gives me grace. After all, we're saved by grace through our faith. I, I just came to tell you that in, in chapter 1, what I see is God. I see God. He's undergirding this whole thing. And when Daniel takes a step of faith, God comes and fills in the gaps. When Daniel takes a step and goes against the flow, God grants favor. God does the rest. Now, one of you all, several weeks ago, and I have no clue who it was, sent me this video clip at the end of some message that I preached. And I don't remember the message, but it must have, you, must have, you must have been reminded of this video clip after I preached the message. It comes from Indiana Jones movie. Some of you know where I'm going, don't you? Some of you are Indiana Jones fans. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I didn't see the movie. But um, Indiana Jones is searching for the Holy Grail. He's trying to save his dad and getting the Holy Grail. And he comes, he comes to this big canyon. It's like I'm standing at the edge of this and, and I need to go to those two doors back there. But between, between all of you all are just nothing but a big canyon. And I drop down hundreds of feet. And he's got to get there. He's got to get there to be able to get the Holy Grail and save his dad. Let's show this video, short video. Now, Indiana Jones wasn't a Christian movie, I know. That's not, that's not trying to explain the Hebrews 11 or Daniel 1, I know. But I just wonder. I just wonder. You know, God... God calls Nebuchadnezzar in, in verse 2. He calls Nebuchadnezzar to besiege him, and he gave him in the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. I wonder if God even uses a secular Hollywood movie to teach us a point. And that point is, if you step out, and it's not easy to step out, it's against, it's against our brains because we want to live by sight, don't we? We want to live by sight, and, and, and he did too. And, he wanted to, and by sight, he was going to drop straight to the ground. But as we step against the flow, does God meet us there? I think that's what Daniel 1 teaches us. It's not about dare to be a Daniel. Indiana Jones was scared to death. Scared to death. But as I've said many times, do it afraid. And God met him with his little mustard seed of faith. And I just believe with all my heart, he'll meet you 
and he'll meet me as we live against the flow. And I've got nothing in mind. I've got no situation in mind. No one's come to me and talked to, to me about high school situations or, or your, your work situations. I, I just know that as we live according to this book, we will have to live against the flow from time to time. And when we do that, know as we show faith, God will meet us there with grace and with compassion and favor enable us to do what we need to do even change the minds of officials so they will grant us favor and give us three days off with pay (laughs) our servers are coming to the table the Christian life is upside down going against the flow does not seem right side up but the Christian life is upside down it does not seem right side up to step out. You, you saw, what's the guy's name that plays Indiana Jones? Harrison Ford. You saw Harrison Ford being a good actor and showing how scared he was. And if we can gather a mustard seed of faith and step out against the flow, God will meet us there. And as we live the Christian life, which seems upside down to us. Blessed are the meek seems upside down to what the world teaches or what we learn in school. But as we live that way, God honors us. And how upside down was it that God used a cross to bring life? How upside down is it that God would use the death of one that was thought to be the Messiah, the death of him, on a public execution of him, to bring life for all the people there and for us as well? (laughs) Step out, even though it doesn't seem the natural thing to do. Father, I guess a lot of preachers could come at Daniel 1 and come a lot of different ways, and this is the way that I chose to to come with it, and that's what I saw when I read it. And and I just pray that you would help us all. You'd help us all in our own way, in our own time, and work out where we draw the line, just like Daniel said he resolved not to eat the the king's food. And I don't know where that that line is for these people, and I guess I know where it would be for me, but everybody's got to find that line. And when that line is there, we have to act in faith and to go against the flow. Help us to know that if we are feeling awkward, out of place, out of step, against the flow, that might be the exact right way for us to feel at that time as we walk close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.